Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, everybody. Good Wednesday afternoon to you. Welcome to another edition of the Super Talk Eagle Hour around the state of Mississippi. Glad you're with us wherever you're tuned in or online. Always glad to have you on board. We're broadcasting from the Southern Bank Corps studio this afternoon here in Oak Grove. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander, the super intern Nathan Lee in the studio with us. And also... And he'll be joining us uh, here throughout the program. Van Arnold, longtime sports writer for the Hattiesburg American. Opening segment of the show sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, a great place to be contacting uh, for your next tailgate. Also a great place to take your family any night of the week. Food's always great. Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Yesterday we had, uh, unfortunately, had to pass along the news about the passing of Ben Willoughby. Those of us that uh, knew Ben, and I, I can include myself in that group, were very fortunate to have known such a witty and really wonderful guy. Probably nobody knew him any better than our first guest, uh, legendary baseball coach Hill Denson, who told me earlier this morning that Ben was uh, instrumental in helping, uh, in helping Coach Denson get the baseball program up and running, the beloved baseball program that we all uh, care so much about now. So, Coach Denson uh, with us here on the Eagle Hour. And, Coach, your thoughts about Ben Willoughby? Well, Bob, it's, it's certainly uh, a, a bad time when we're talking about losing some of our buddies and him and Corky and, therefore, you know, other guys that we've had during the year. It seems like they're coming too often now. But uh, Ben Willoughby was one of a kind. <laughs> There's no question about that. He was the guy that uh, – he had a story. I heard somebody say they had a. He would tell stories at the end of a dove shoot the other day, and I said, "Well, I want to say, well, he had a story. Doesn't matter if it's the end of the dove shoot or during it or before <laughs> right, it or right. whenever. He's gonna have a story now." So, right. You know, Ben was one of those guys that's just uh, full of fun. Uh, always, uh, always had a good attitude, and if if it's a number one Eagle fan, he was it. So yeah. I had the good fortune, uh, my wife and I, when we moved back down here about 13 years ago, bought season tickets, and by good fortune, they were right by Ben and Tommy Willoughby. And uh, You didn't hear any stories at the game, did you? I was about to tell you, Coach, some of the most entertaining nights of my life. I enjoyed the baseball game, but it was sometimes hard to concentrate on the baseball game for the storytelling I was getting in my, in my left ear, but I always enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. He's that tight. It's going to be a story going on all the time. 
Now, you told me he was very instrumental in helping you get the baseball program up and running. Talk a little bit about what he did and, and what you guys were able to do together. Well, I think before I could really talk about that, I kind of got to explain the situation when I got hired as a baseball coach. Uh, Roland Dale hired me, and, and I certainly am appreciative, appreciative of that. He and Aubrey Lucas put up. Roland hired me uh, basically as a baseball coach. And as you know, Roland Dale was a football guy. And, and, and that's all we really cared about back in those days. We were starting to care a little bit about basketball and that sort of thing. And, uh, but up until that point, uh, you know, everything was centered around the football team. And, with, and, uh, and, and, and to be real honest, that's what Coach Dale had intended to keep happening, I think. And um, so – you know, uh, back in those days, we didn't have budgets. We just had to go ask Coach Mack, I mean, Coach uh, Dale, if you could buy something and all that. And pretty much, pretty much standard answer was no. But uh, Ben Willoughby at the time was head of our Eagle Club. Ben, they had started the Eagle Club a little bit before I got there. And, uh, of course, I was a member of the Eagle Club before he came. But, uh it was designed to, you know, raise a little money here and there. But uh, Ben was kind of my secret helper that I could go to and, and get some help. And uh, we'll give you one good example. Uh, when I got ready to play our first game, we played a doubleheader opening game in 1984. We were going to play a doubleheader on Friday afternoon before practice. Uh, I can't look up on top of the hill, and there's a – by the way, we have no equipment, nothing to drag a field with and all that. They were doing it with a physical plant. And uh, the physical plant guys were sitting up on the hill, and they finally came down and talked to him and said, Coach, we got to get on the field. We're about to get off. And I said, what do you mean? He said, we want to drag the field for your doubleheader tomorrow. And I said, today we're practicing. And he said, well, we normally all get off and let us drag the field and let it be ready for tomorrow and line it off. And I said, you mean a day ahead of time before infield practice or anything? And he said, yeah. And I said, will y'all be here before the game and between the game? No, we don't come back on Saturday. <laughs> so, and I had no drag. I had no drag or anything to do that with. And um, this was my first game, and I didn't know. I hadn't been there but about three weeks, you know. I knew we didn't have much dragging going on at the field. <laughs> that next morning after practice the day before, it would be drugged a little bit, but uh, – so anyhow, long story short, uh, I had to have some equipment, had to start getting some drags and that sort of thing. What we did when I found out they were doing that, they weren't even going to drag between the double headers or anything, So let alone during the game. So we went in and Ben helped me buy some wood. We bought some two-by-twelves and cut them in like four feet wide and put some long handles on them so that our players could walk side by side for them and drag the field around between games and, and, and that sort of thing and after infield. So that was the first thing. And then we're supposed to, you know, Bermuda grass, if anybody knows anything about athletic fields, they know the Bermuda grass should be mowed really no, no less than every other day, but really most people mow it every day. But uh, our hours was getting mowed once a week and sometimes once every 10 days. And then I talked to the physical plant, and he just said, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, and that sort of thing. And I said, well. And uh, so we had to, I had, had to get some way to start mowing the field myself. 
and uh, Ben knew somebody and in McGee up there, I believe it was McGee or Mendenhall, that had a dealership that was able to uh, donate us through Ben, through the Eagle Club, a lawnmower that I could ride and mow the field and also pull my hand drag drags that we'd built. By then, I may, may have made an old fence drag or something that we could do it with, but so... You know, Ben did that kind of stuff for me, and and one, you know, those are some of the things that he did to help get along through the Eagle Club, and and Coach Dale never knew about that kind of thing. <laughs> he wouldn't let us buy a drag. So. Yeah, would it anyway, would it surprise you if I told you that uh, throughout baseball games, when I was sitting with Ben, he had colorful commentary about the home plate umpire. He would refer to him as Helen Keller, Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Uh, Jose Feliciano, anybody who couldn't see, uh, was described by Ben Willoughby. Right, I agreed with him most of the time, too. <laughs> hey, quick, Coach, we got two minutes left. There's a guy here you probably know by the name of Van Arnold, who uh, covered oh. your baseball program and uh, wrote for the uh, Hattiesburg American. He may have a question for you. Well, you know, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll, hey, he'll. Um, hey, Ben, how you doing? Good, man? good, my friend. Uh, you know, a good Facebook friend, by the way. I love your fo- photography. Um, Thank you, man. Yeah. Um, I, I was telling some people after Ben passed about this story you told me uh, uh, regarding the roost and how Coach McClellan thought that was the craziest thing in the world to go up there and try to sell spots, you know, for cars to park to watch a baseball game. And, and uh, you and Ben got together, and Ben's, Ben's out there tr- selling them like the first – Opportunity yeah, opening, came along. Opening weekend, yeah, and now, sold we like ten of them, didn't? <laughs> right, we had we had ten or twelve spots, I believe, <laughs> that we were going to sell for hundred dollars a piece, and and we finally got up the nerve to ask Coach Mack on Thursday before the season started on Friday, and and he said, "Oh God, well I can't use the same language you use." Right. He said, uh, <laughs> "You know, they." Nobody buy that crap, but if they're going to do that, he said, I tell you what, we're not going to take money away from the Eagle Club. He said, uh, they're going to have to be a member of the Eagle Club. And we said, okay. He said, we're going to have to buy at least two season tickets. I said, okay. You're going to have to sit in their truck. Okay, can't be anything but a pickup or, or something that you can sit in the back of. We said, okay. And he said, all right, well, y'all going to do it. That'd be fine. And we went out there. We had them marked off already thinking we were going to do it, so we decided we better ask. And, you know, and Ben, of course, I was on the field the whole time, and Ben just walked around. I said, Ben, let's just, just walk around and talk to some people that are there. We had started to get a few people. This was about, the, I guess, the second or third year I'd been there or whatever. Coach Dale wouldn't let us do it. So, <laughs> um, Anyhow, he, he, he walked around that day, and, and after the game came down, he said, hey, hell, hey, hell, all of them sold. He said, uh, Bad thing about it is most of them Mississippi State people. And I said, "What, what do you mean?" He said, "Well, they know most. They know what we're talking about because they got the left field lounge up there." And uh, and I said, "Okay, well that's good." Anyhow, some of those people are still in the stands as the original owners. And but Ben sold them all that weekend. We went in to coach back on Monday and said, "Coach." He said, "I know y'all didn't sell anything, but what'd you do?" Ben just kind of grinned. Said, "All of them sold, coach." <laughs> Hey, Coach Jensen, thank you so much for the uh, memories of uh, Ben Willoughby. And uh, as you know, we thank the world of you. Always enjoy having you on the Eagle Hour. Well, thank you. And I'm certainly sorry uh, that 
Yeah, we had to talk under these situations. But good. Uh, thanks, Coach. Yes, sir. He'll dance it, everybody. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, we want to thank Coach Hill Denson uh, for those great memories of Ben Willoughby, and always appreciate that Coach Denson, uh, one of our very favorite people, uh, always enjoy his time with us on the Eagle Hour. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, CampusBookmark.net. They'll be rolling tomorrow. I can assure you of that. Got a great selection of apparel, game day stuff. They're located right across the street from the campus. You can also shop them online at Campus Bookmark. .net. Broadcasting from the Southern Bancor Studio, where we remind you about the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast. You can hear it every day on Apple, Audible, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or you can just tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com joins us up from the Crescent City in his office today as the Saints get ready to host the uh, Los Angeles. No, is it the Las Vegas? Now it's the Las Vegas uh <laughs> Raiders, kind of hard to keep up, Patrick, with what city uh, the Raiders are in. But the Saints really need to win a football game, brother. Yeah, I said it uh, Friday when I, I talked to you. I was like, they need to win three games right now. And actually, that they don't really need to win three games because the rest of the division still continues to just be awful. It, it's <laughs> amazing that the Saints are one game out of first uh, place at the moment and, and really be pl- playing their worst football and be really banged up across the board. It's it's they they need some breaks to start going their way. I mean, uh, they had a shot uh, in Arizona. They moved the ball well, then they start turning it over. So uh, defensively, they're banged up. Uh, Jameis Winston is reported today by Nick Underhill that uh, that he's still not healthy yet. I, I guess they're waiting for him to get back to 100. Uh, percent It was probably it probably would have been to the Saints' benefit if they had decided that after he got injured in the season opener. But yeah, it's uh. Not much right going the Saints' uh, way at the moment. and the, the, At this point, they're just hoping they can get somewhat healthy. I'm not sure, Patrick, that they give up a whole lot, that they want to go back to Jameis even if he was healthy. Andy Dalton has certainly been been functional, don't you think? Yeah, and then he had the, the game in Arizona where he had a couple of bad passes that really hurt, um, especially right there before halftime. But, I mean, I'm of the belief, yeah, there, you don't give up much, but, but there's no question that Jameis Winston has a much greater upside uh, that he's got that potential to where he can carry the Saints to a win. I mean, he did that in the opener after stinking for three quarters. He came on in the fourth quarter and really brought them back. So he can put the Saints on their back on his back and, and carry them to wins. And, and Andy Dalton just isn't just isn't that guy right now in his career. Longtime member of the Hattiesburg American sports staff, Van Arnold, is in the studio with us today. We're going to get to talk to him specifically about his time covering Southern Miss. Now, now working at Southern Miss, but right. Van, you actually hired yeah. Patrick. Tell us about for his first job. I know. Uh, so coincidental to be in the studio today, and I didn't know Patrick was going to be on. A um, uh, little side note here, I nicknamed him Patricimo back in the day, <laughs> and he probably doesn't want anyone to know that, especially with the Saints, but it's too late Patricimo. now. Patricimo. I've, I've well. had worse, I've had Patricimo. Yeah, yeah, I've had worse uh, nicknames. Yeah, so it's, it's just, it just fit him perfectly. I don't know why. I used to give everybody nicknames back in the day. What was it about his skill set, Van, that you like? He loves sports. Guy's a sports nut. You could tell it right away. He was in uh, you know, college at the time and uh, came to us for part-time work. And I don't know. You know, Sometimes it's a gut feeling yeah. when you're, when you're uh, hiring someone. Um, and then the opportunity came along. He stayed with us. And that's the thing. You know, 
a lot of people don't like those hours that he used to work. You know, he'd come in at 4 or 5 in the afternoon, stay till after midnight to make sure all the scores were on the page. He was in charge of the scoreboard page. Then we got him to write in a little bit for us more, uh, saw that he had that ability. And uh, opportunity came along and gave him the USM job. The USM beat and did a terrific job with it, you know. No and the reason I know he did a terrific job is because he ticked off a lot of people. Yeah. And now he, now he is so famous and successful, he is a weekly contributor to the Eagle Hour van. Well, that's awesome. That's, that should just fit perfectly for him. Uh, the guy loves to talk sports, and he's good at it. Good Listen at to all these compliments, Patrick. Listen to this today. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I came on the show today. I mean, I, I don't, you know. Make sure your mom listens now or gets a tape. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the first time that he's been the star rather than Blue, whenever yeah, the two of them correct. hang out yeah. together. Blue's a big celebrity. I, I will tell you this about uh, Patrick McGee. Uh, outside of the great contribution he's made to this program since the first week it was on the air, his reporting on Southern Miss Sports on the Biloxi Sun Herald yeah. was outstanding, outstanding. And I, and I don't know that we've it was the last really good. I say coverage. about. I don't think we've we've seen that kind of coverage. Well, and I want to go back to the comment that you made because I think it's poignant, and a lot of people may not understand that you said that you knew he did a good job because he made some people mad. Mm-hmm. It, it, Go further with well, that, Well, because you can be a yes man all you want. You can almost be a PR person in, in that role if you're not careful. And I'm talking about being a journalist. Sure. Okay, you got to be object- objective. And so Patrick, you know, he wasn't intentionally trying to rub people the wrong way, but it didn't bother him, and, it, and, and the criticism he took did not influence the way he wrote his stories or covered, you know, a controversial topic. He didn't shy away from it. You know, you can't teach that. You either have that skill set. You either kind of have that sort of work ethic. He had it, and I know I'm making him sound like he's uh, this, Bob Patrick. Woodward or somebody. And wow, but, listen to this. But but you know, the fact of the matter is, he's at NOLA.com for a reason. They're not just going to hire a bomb. Yeah. No, and and he said he pretty much said today that um, the Saints suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're pretty you, bad right he now. He was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. <laughs> all right, Patrick, we'll let you have a little air time. What what about all this glory that's been thrown your way? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I appreciate it, and and I really do. And then hearing Van say that, you know, it's, uh, I did take some heat on it t- at times whenever I was on the job. But that one made me kind of more determined. Uh, whenever I guess it's kind of the Irish in me or something. Is whenever <laughs> somebody criticized me, I was like, well, just you know, I'm just going to keep at it. And and that's I think that did kind of help me. I learned that under Van and and guys like that is is you know we were all you know kind of Mississippi natives living there in Hattiesburg, and it's easily easy to kind of become overwhelmed and, and be part of the, the larger picture, the, uh, be part of the fandom that is Southern Miss. But we all had jobs to do, and I think at the Hattiesburg American, we can be really proud of what we did uh, during yeah. Van's time there and my time. I agree. There. Is that independence the reason the people at Louisiana Lafayette love you so, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they, they love me now. I work over here, so yeah, yeah. they love me. <laughs> I think that I think that game coming up tomorrow, they're going to need the different establishments are yeah. going to need to, beer reinforcements. Tomorrow. So, what do you think about this matchup tomorrow night, Pat? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think uh, Louisiana kind of got off to a slow start this season. It's under a new head coach in Michael DeSormo, who I actually remember from his playing days. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I remember him playing against Southern Miss way yeah. back when. Now he's the head coach, and I think they were trying to kind of find their footing. They kind of went back and forth on their quarterback situation. But here in recent weeks, their their offense has shown improvement. But that Southern Miss defense is really, really good right now. I mean, they just gave Texas State hell 
uh, for four quarters, aside from that one long touchdown pass. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I see this as a game that you, you want to see Southern Miss kind of finally kind of take that next step as an offense at home and just play a clean ball game, yeah. the first clean ball game of offense since the Tulane game. So uh, if they can hold on to the ball better than they have been, I think Southern Miss wins this game. Yeah, I think they could ride that defense quite a bit the rest of the year, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're that good. That defensive front is, is big and athletic. It's probably the uh, – they've got more talented uh, big guys on that, you know, 315-pounders than they've had in a while. Uh, even back to the Munkin days, I didn't necessarily really remember them having many dudes like that. I think you have to go all the way back right. to uh, the days of Kyrie Thornton and, and dudes like that during the Fedora era. So it's it's a it's a very good defense. It's bigger, more athletic than the average Sun Belt or Conference USA yeah. uh, defense. It's a good bunch across the board. All right, Kelly, you have a special fondness for them three hundred pounders for some reason. Oh, well, well, usually women at closing time. <laughs> oh goodness! Uh, <laughs> but you know, you didn't you didn't want me to get that specific. What's that got I'm, to do I'm with guess. Patrick? You don't <laughs> yeah. have to get so personal, Kelly. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. You don't have to, Patrick. We've just not been able to do anything at all with him, as as you well know. All right, Patrick. So, what's in store for Southern Miss the rest of the year? What do you think this team is capable of accomplishing? Well, I mean, there are plenty of uh, capable. I think that South Alabama game is one they can kind of uh, continue to circle on the on the schedule. Now they have to take care of some of these games that are winnable, uh, whether it's Georgia State. Uh, you're going to ULM. That's a road game that's pretty winnable. But you, all, you have Coastal Carolina, uh, South Alabama. Once you get on the other side of this Louisiana game, which is very important, but you have to be, to, you know, you're two wins away from bowl eligibility. You think you got a pretty good shot at Georgia State and ULM. But can you kind of take this season to a whole other level by beating a Louisiana and turning around and possibly beating either Coastal Carolina or South Alabama? Uh, so it's it's you know that's it's there, there's a chance they're going to do big things, uh, but we'll see. You know they're capable of having a big season. And I know and I know it's for entertainment purposes only. But CBS Sports this morning had a bowl projection that Southern Miss would be playing a December seventeenth game against Middle Tennessee. I'm going, oh, gosh, all we need is to revisit Conference USA one well, more time. This bowl game just sounds good to me. Well, yeah, Patrick, for sure. uh, we really appreciate you being on today. I, I had no idea that uh, – I had no idea that it was Felisa well, – Feli- Patricimo. Patricimo. Actually, that's okay. the shorter version. It's Patricimo del Toro. Well, see what we've learned today, Patrick? This is good stuff. He was in the movie Blow, wasn't he? <laughs> Patricio del Toro. Stop. Hey, Patrick, we appreciate you, brother. All right. Good talk to you, my friend. All right. You too, Van. Patrick McGee, everybody. NOLA.com. I don't know why he keeps coming back, but for some reason he does. (laughs) Might not now. Right. (laughs) We'll be back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This segment is sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. They'll have the big game 
on the TV tomorrow night. If you can't make it to The Rock, we hope you do make it to The Rock. But if you can't, uh, go to 4th Street Bar and Grill. Uh, I can assure you that they'll have they'll have the Saints on, uh, Nathan. I'm sure noontime uh, Sunday as they take on the Raiders. Don't forget their big tailgate party tomorrow starting at 2 o'clock. They'll have all the tents and stuff set up mm-hmm. out in the parking lot. And uh, they're, they're loaded, well, locked and loaded, ready for tomorrow night's uh, kickoff yeah. on national TV. All right. Uh, Van Arnold was a sports writer for the Hattiesburg American from 1979 through 2008. Now works for the university. And, uh, Van, before we get too far into it, I, I, I want to get your comments. Uh, there was a, a – a, Obviously, we'll talk about the the great era of sports coverage that you were part of. Then there was this terrible void, but I think a lot of slack has really been picked up this uh, year by David Eckert. I agree. A young man who has come in. Your thoughts about the job he's done? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we talked about this earlier. Uh, you know, the Internet changed a lot in journalism in general, certainly newspapers. Um, and so adjustments had to be made. You know, there were a lot of budgetary concerns. Uh uh, small newspapers, daily newspapers that weren't that large had to make difficult decisions. And the American went through that transition period. Um, I left in 2007. Um, and so here we are today, uh, all you know, looking at his work, David's work, and, I, and it reminds me of the work we used to do. And that's what you hope to see. You know, when you hire someone to cover a beat as big as the Southern Miss beat, you hope it's done thoroughly. You know, professionally, and uh, not only that, but but he can write. You know, you you can you can almost train anyone to do basic skills as far as coverage. But David's a good writer too. But un- unfortunately, though, the general and I'm speaking generally here, the general public doesn't really, in my opinion, understand the role of a journalist. Yeah. Because you talked about being a public relations department or whatever. That is not a journalist's job as a writer. No, and and you know. It, it's a fine line you walk in the sense that you have to sell newspapers to make money. And it's, sure. it's a business. You know, it's not a nonprofit. Right. So that's a fine line you walk. You do not want to anger your advertisers or your readers. Um, but at the same time, you work for the Hattiesburg American. You do not work for the university or the public or any other entity. So I commend the journalists who do show the fortitude, you know, to, to write tough stories right, and cover I think tough subjects. In our day, Kelly and I uh, probably had <laughs> a number of instances where the sales department at WDAM-TV was not happy with us, <laughs> but I never cared because that's not what I was ever hired to do. Right. Same thing in sports, right? Yeah, exactly. It, you, you know, your job is to get the story and, and more importantly, get it right. Nice. You know, a lot of times, and we're in a, we're in a uh, print by the second world right now and and a lot of things aren't checked fact checking is not necessarily done because you want to get that out there so quickly and i find in in this day and age a lot of people are eating crow they're having to come back and uh, retract things and apologize and and so what we stood for and i hope journalists today across the country and the world for that matter do stand for is getting the story right yeah instead of first absolutely first is important it'd be best if it's first and right right you know you know, I'm I'm old enough that I, I got to tell you, man, I miss the days of coming home at night, getting the <laughs> newspaper, sitting down, getting up on Sunday morning, making that first cup of coffee, getting the Sunday morning newspaper and reading the sports page. It's never coming back, is it, man? Well, it, 
It, I think it could. You know, everything's cyclical. Uh, you know, right. everybody says what goes around comes around. It'd have to be a great business model, I think, to work. I think someone with deep pockets and a vision could, could pull it off um, because, you know, it's, it's so nostalgic and it's so different that it would feel new again. If it was done right, you see what I'm saying? Because we got a whole generation of people. we got Nathan standing here. He doesn't know about reading Sunday papers in the morning. Right. That was a terrific era. I've said many times I was fortunate to, to work in the heyday of the Hattiesburg American, and I firmly believe that. But now now they, but, and there were two coaches at Southern Miss that understood media and how media could help you or hurt you. Yeah. Two of those names, one guest was on the show earlier today. Hill Denson was one. M.K. Turk was yep. another. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Coach Denson understood it better than anybody. Um, you know, he had been in marketing before, so he understood the importance of marketing your product. And I still laugh about that story with the two by fours and dragging the field, but I had not heard that one before. And M.K. Turk was, yes, a, a gentleman first um, and, and a wonderful quote machine. You know, he told it like it was. You know, he didn't try to sugarcoat things, but he was also accessible. And, and I find that that's important when you're trying to cover a beat or a coach is accessibility. You know, trying to get them on the phone or trying to get 10 minutes with them or trying right. to get them to answer a couple of questions. A lot of time coaches see the media as adversaries. And so they don't really want to devote much time to that part of their job. But MK got it. Yeah. But you're, you're finding a lot of those qualities also with Will Hall. Absolutely. Will no Hall, question. if you watch his press conferences, you know, after, uh, you know, practice, he will, he will answer every question and answer it as detailed as he can. There are no short answers. I love that about the guy. You can tell he's a football rat. You know, he grew up around right, it. Right. And so he understands the nuances of the game. I think he's a great hire. I think we're starting to see that now. You know, everybody was in a hurry to win, win, win. I think we all are. Who wouldn't be? But it's coming around. It's coming around exactly like it's supposed to. But I have to tell you a great MK Turk story. <laughs> you remember the? Uh, you remember the time that there was a point shaving scandal at Tulane Absolutely. in basketball? Yep. We had played Tulane down there on a Saturday night and lost a close game. And I was in Coach Turk's office <laughs> the early part of the next week, and the scandal had broken. And he looked at me, and he leaned across the table, and he said, I swear to God, Bob, I thought we were playing good D. <laughs> Sounds just like him. Great sense of humor. You know, took the job very seriously, but he could crack a joke and laugh with you with the best of them. Uh, to me, and I've told you this, Kelly, in my just for me personally, he is the great icon in, in coaching here to me. He, he stands above everybody else, in just my humble opinion – had the pleasure of knowing him, covering his program, a gentleman, absolutely, a colorful, entertaining guy, and as Kelly's often pointed out, a man that understood college sports is entertainment. He did, and his teams were entertaining. He took that jacket off and throw it when he'd get upset with officials, <laughs> and and and, and you, everybody in the stands would just go crazy. You got to understand that was an era too when the Green Green Coliseum was selling out. Yeah. And, and Nathan probably doesn't even remember those Electric days. Electric city, yeah. buddy. You know, it helped that we were playing Louisville and Memphis, who were perennial giants. Um, we were in that conference. But we were beating them. It, it, it's another thing to play them and lose by 30. We were beating them. And right. to the entertainment factor, I remember MK saying, well, if we can beat somebody 48 to 46, 
Let's just beat him 120 to 116. <laughs> W's I mean, a W. But you know, that's right. Lob it up to Derek Hamilton. Yes. Let him slam one home a couple times. I'm telling you, man, it was fun to watch, and I was privileged to be able to cover those games. Um, saw some great games. Saw a double overtime game in Virginia Tech. Bimbo Coles was playing Dale Curry, you know, and, of course, that's Steph Curry's dad. We're talking about – go look it up. It was like 145 to 142. Metro Conference. Absolutely. Yeah. It was just an – Incredible thing to watch. Purvis Ellison in his eight-year starting yeah, career at Louisville. Yeah, seemed like it. I, I tell you one thing: when you're in one of those kind of shootouts, like that was just described, there was no defense being played. Uh, it was how quick could you score, and then let me run down and see if I can score quicker, uh, and let's just see who's ahead at the end. And, and the great friendship between Denny Crum and yeah. MK Turk, and Denny Crum, of course, the legendary Louisville basketball yeah. coach. Those were. It's hard to describe, isn't it, Van, how electric and magic those basketball days were. It, it is because Denny Crum, you know, was National Coach of the Year, won national championship, but was a very – Denny and Mem K were night and day. Denny didn't have a whole lot to say, and when he said it, he was very serious. You know, not a lot of kidding around, but they had great respect for each other. And I know for a fact that Denny Crum always congratulated and complimented uh, USM for the way they played, the athletes they had, and the way they were coached. Uh, so MK deserved a lot of credit for that. I he was brought Me- a lot of respect to the university. I was at Metro Conference Media one day in Atlanta, and I had my back turned, and I wasn't, but probably Nathan's age. And uh, and I hear this voice behind me saying, "Would you like to interview me?" And I turn around, <laughs> and it's Denny Crum. No, yeah, I'm sitting there going, "Nah, you that's, go. <laughs> that's great." Of course, I would like to that's interview great. Mr. Crum. And the the Cincinnati coach Bob Huggins, yeah. right? The Bob yeah. Huggins. That was another great team that came here. And played Absolutely, basketball. I mean, you think about the teams that came in here. Uh, Cincinnati at that time was fighting for you know top five ranking. That that was a really great program. Uh, we you know it's great that we have these memories uh, from from those days uh, that we can recall the USM teams playing those those heralded programs tooth and nail. And, and beating them. Well, we got a nationally televised game tomorrow yeah. night, and I think one of the games that I remember on national TV was when the Eagles beat TCU, the Horn Frogs, back in 2003. Maybe, Bob, we can hold Van over. Absolutely. Can you stick around? Absolutely. More Love great memories with Van Arnold. Absolutely. Super talk Eagle. <laughs> yeah, it, I was, I was going to say about him. Okay. To the, top. to the top, you're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, I want to thank D1 and D-Bad for their sponsorship of the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour, State of the Art, training facilities on Hardy Street. D1 trains athletes of any age, D-Bad specializing in baseball and softball training. Also, I want to thank Mo Bay Beignet Company, the official beignet company of the Super Talk Eagle Hour, and a great place for you to go enjoy a wonderful dessert before the game tomorrow afternoon. Mobe Beignet on Hardy Street, right across from the campus. 
probably be open afterwards. Not sure about that, but uh, before or after, be sure that you enjoy a delicious dessert at Mobe Beignet. Glad to have Van Arnold here with us, a longtime sports writer here in Hattiesburg. And Van, it's so much fun to talk about all the great memories. And you, kind of like me, were about the same age, really had front row tickets to the great, great eras of Southern Miss sports. But I want to take you back to one recently. Sure. I want you to tell me if if you have ever seen anything more dramatic, more exciting, more exhilarating than the LSU-Southern Miss baseball battles that took place here in the regional? Uh, no, not in recent memory for sure, you know, and, and uh, I watched every pitch of that, that series. Um, always believing, you know, and, I, and that's the thing about sports. You have to believe in your team, and you have and, – and a lot of fans tend to give up for one reason or another. But I felt like they were going to win that regional after they lost the first time. I just did. I just felt like they were the better team. And you, it doesn't always work out that way, but 90% of the time, I think, in sports, the better team wins. And so Southern Miss had a better team all year long. They proved it. And so it didn't surprise me that they won. It was incredibly dramatic, as, as you know, and never seen, I don't believe, Pete Taylor Park rocking quite like no, that. No. And and. You know, kudos to Hill Denson again for creating that atmosphere originally by by bringing that ballpark to Hattiesburg, spearheading that whole campaign, and Scott Berry and Corky Palmer, you know, together taking it to this level. But we're right there. We're right there now. I mean, in terms of top baseball programs in the country, we used to look up and see these other teams ahead of us, the Arizona States and the Rices and now we're the, looking them in the eye. Absolutely, we're right there with them, and so get ready. Uh, you've been you've been covering sports here for a long, long time. Put in perspective the job that Scott Berry is doing, right? And it's not easy to follow a legend like Corky Palmer. Now, Corky Palmer is the, still the only coach to take the Golden Eagles to the College World Series. So, following those kind of footsteps is going to be hard for anybody. But you need a humble man. You need a baseball man. And you need a guy with a thick skin. He's got all those qualities. And he has proven he doesn't he could walk away tomorrow with his head high and realize he's absolutely carried the torch and in fact I think taken it beyond where it was. And so if Scott chooses to stay, I, and I and I feel like he will. I think he loves it here and he loves baseball. He loves coaching. Within the next five years, we're gonna be in that World Series. Right. Nathan is with us here, our intern. Nathan, do students uh, have in perspective how great and nationally prominent at one time when Van and I were covering them, the Southern Miss football program was? Honestly, I don't think they know. I, I don't know if they know how, like y'all know it. Uh, I know I don't know it. You know, I, I remember the Fedora days uh, yeah. when he was around. Um, that was pretty much when I first started watching Southern Miss football, and that was some fun football to watch. But I, I don't understand the nasty bunch like y'all. I don't think the <laughs> university does, but they're kind of seeing that this yes. year, well, you know, with this uh, really, really dominant defense. All right, man, put it in perspective. Yeah. Bobby Collins, Big Nasty, yeah. Jeff Bauer era. Yeah. Mm. That, well, all three, you know, legendary coaches in their own right, you know, Bobby Collins, uh, you know, he he's – kind of you know was the first coach to get us sort of some national recognition and that was because of guys like reggie collier can you imagine if reggie collier played today 
in this era with this run and shoot, this RPO right. thing that everybody's doing. He'd, that, be, a, he'd be an all pro in the he, NFL. He, but absolutely, and he would probably win a Heisman. He was that right, good. Right. But And then Carmody came along, big nasty. You know, the nasty bunch defense really got its – it's feet under him during that era and, and became well-known for defense. The guy could just flat coach defense. Um, and then Jeff Bauer. What I, what I think about Jeff Bauer, I think consistency. Those winning seasons, at one point we had 18 consecutive winning seasons. Now that's just not easy to do on any level. Oh, and, and so I think they all brought something different to the table and will always be remembered. And we're in good hands now. Final question with the football yeah. program. I, I'm a big, big fan of Will Hall. I, I am too, and, and we were talking about this off camera. You know, uh, it's, he just needed to sort of find his way and get his own team identity going. It looks like, you know, it's funny. They say he's an offensive guy, offensive guru, but the team is a defensive team right now. That's their strength. Uh, wait till the offense catches up to the defense. Mm. Will Hall knows what he's doing. Listen to him talk. Listen to him explain things. And just also pay attention to the passion he has for the job. Mm. The guy wants to be here. Now, he may find another opportunity down the road, but he's not thinking about that right now. And that's what I like. Great conversation. Yeah. Man. I'm glad you came in today. You're welcome here anytime. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Nathan. And Kelly, too. That wraps it up until tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Uh, we'll be at uh, Southern Bank Court in Midtown. Great guest. We've got former New England Patriot Harold Shaw with us, along with Marshant Kitty. Doesn't get much better than that. Mm-mm. Till tomorrow, Southern Miss. To the top. Mississippi Media Production.